our series, Strong. And speaking of strong, I would like to thank all the folks who have been helping with the projects uh, during this back-to-school season. And we certainly wouldn't be able to get it all done without the hands of so many. And yeah, so thanks for digging holes, filling holes, uh, spreading stuff, installing stuff moving stuff, spraying stuff, cleaning stuff, and just helping with stuff. So uh, the Tilfers I mentioned are over uh, in Oregon for John's mother's funeral. And Rose is one of our teachers. She had a bunch of stuff that she's going to move yesterday at a work day, uh, but she's gone. And so if we could surprise her, uh, and have eight or ten people right after this service move that stuff for her, that she come in tomorrow without that burden. And so wouldn't that be a blessing if we could help her with that? So if you guys uh, who can help just for like eight or ten minutes would be able to meet with my wife, Amy, in the lobby, and she'll just tell you where to go. Who can do it? Kyle. Okay. Kyle, the tall guy who was just up here playing the guitar, be with him, okay? Uh, so Amy's doing the soundboard, uh, live stream, and the screens today. Oh, Steve's doing live stream. Um, we just were shorthanded with a few people gone, but if you could help with that, uh, and if somebody will wave at me at the end and remind me, then I'll remind you. But what that means is somebody has to remember to help me remember to... Re anyway, you know, you know what I'm saying, uh, getting old. So uh, four weeks from today on September 13th is I Love Caldwell Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have invite cards available for you to begin inviting the businesses that you frequent here around town uh, to come to this special Sunday and be honored for their steadfast labor during this time of national, really international crisis. And so we'll have that next week. Well, in our series so far, we have talked about the fact that sharing the gospel is more about courage than it is about knowledge. When the first church in Jerusalem was threatened for talking about Jesus, they didn't pray for knowledge. They didn't pray for God to change the situation. They prayed for boldness. And, and so when we're witnessing, courage trumps knowledge. If we have the courage to speak, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say. Uh, but it is important for us to know that in various religions, terms may be the same, but definitions may be different. Okay, same words different meanings. And so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning where we will get started. And just like last Sunday, we're going to visit several other passages as well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you'll head over there. And uh, what an interesting passage this is. Paul's talking about this godly jealousy that he has for the people of Corinth and yeah, that he's um, just really, you know, burdened for them because he's introduced them to Jesus, and now they're kind of fading from their belief. And uh, so here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. He said, but I fear 
lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So back in the Garden of Eden. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So he's saying to the people at Corinth, listen, somebody could come in and talk to you about another Jesus or another spirit or another gospel, and you might put up with it. You might actually start talking to those people because you're deceived, you're thinking wrong. And, and so there's people who were religious, but they were confused. And as we've been in this series, we've been talking about various groups of people that we will need to be strong and bold to be able to confront with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we're talking about the religious confused. Last week, uh, maybe it was the week before, but we had a big delivery of the playground equipment for the new playground. And, and so the guy had called probably at 9.30 in the morning. He said, I would be there in about 15 minutes, and I have two big crates to unload. Yeah, so okay, we're ready. So we're all out there ready to go, and he never came. And so then about an hour and a half later, he called, and he said, I need to talk to somebody uh, because I am at 3610 Eustick, and we said, no, you're not. You're not there because otherwise we would see you, right? If there's a semi-truck, we would see you. So he said, what cross street are you on? Well, he couldn't even figure it out. What zip code are you in? Well, it turns out he was at 3610 Eustick in Meridian, right? Not in Caldwell. Wrong zip code, okay? So you got to put the zip code in apparently too. Um, so... He, he was at the right address, but he was at a different place. And uh, by the way, if we had a video of when he showed up, uh, it'd be hilarious for you guys to watch. Because he didn't have a lift gain. He didn't have a forklift. He didn't have anything. And so we had all of our office girls out there. Uh, and we, we were all doing this assembly line to carry these slides. And it was crazy. It was really funny. Uh, but same, same address, different place. Ha have you ever done a web search on yourself? Right? Have you ever Googled yourself, your name? Uh, for instance, I Googled Jim Hain, and I found out that Jim is the vice president of the Lund Company, uh, or he's a PhD in biological oceanography from the University of Rhode Island who's done a lot of research on continental shelves. Yeah, I checked out Sidney White. Uh, found out that he is a clinical psychologist in Pittsburgh, right? Uh, or he's a professor of anthropology at Temple University, and he has a different skin color. Uh, I, I checked out uh, Annie White is a top 25 relationship and dating coach with an organization called Aspiring Black Women. So, Annie White. Uh, I, I looked up Linda Orr, and I found out that she's an actress. She's been in several major films. Um, 
Bill Van Sickle is the executive chairman of AIM Consulting in Montana. Uh, ben Manon is a government administration professional in Canada. Uh, Jessica Dudley is the chief medical officer at Brigham and Women's Hospital. And her husband, Roe Dudley, is a Democratic congressman in Maryland. Right? So, so there's all these people go right here at Centennial. It's crazy. Uh, Tyler Smith is a, a baseball player with the Texas Rangers. Uh, Rose Tilford is a business coach in New York. Ruben Fuentes is a classical guitar composer. That's one of my favorites. And, and Brent Mai uh, is the university librarian at the University of North Florida. So isn't it interesting? Um, how do you understand today we're talking about same names, different meanings? Same names, different meanings, right? So we're going to deal with four words this morning that have different meanings in various belief systems. And it's, it's so crucial that we know what the definition is of these words, what the real definition is, what the biblical definition, the true definition. And, and so let's start with the first term, Jesus or another Jesus. Jesus or another Jesus. And the notes are provided in your bulletin if you want to follow along with us. They're also on the version app. That's Y-O-U version app. Second Corinthians 11 Paul says, listen, I fear you might be tricked, and if somebody could come and preach another Jesus whom we've not preached. Now, when we read that, we're like, well, there's only one Jesus, and we know who Jesus is, but did you know that at the time Jesus lived, that, you know, in Hebrew, there were actually hundreds of Jewish boys named Jesus, right? And there were Jesus all over the place, hundreds of them. And, and the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the gospel, uh, is the Jesus who predicted he would rise from the tomb, and then he rose from the tomb. There's no other Jesus who did that, right? Uh, he is the virgin-born God incarnate, God in the flesh, God in human form. He has existed in all time with the Father and the Spirit and the eternal Trinity. Jesus Christ, the same Yesterday, today, and forever, his identity has never changed. When he ascended into heaven, the angel said, this same Jesus shall come again. It won't be another one. It won't be a different one. It'll be this same Jesus. Now, he, he is possessing both a fully human and a fully divine nature. Uh, he lives sinlessly. He willingly died on the cross. Uh, to offer salvation to all. Now, that's the Jesus of the Bible. And it's important to know this because there are a lot of groups that use the same name, Jesus. But they're talking about a different person. And it's actually uh, not just a different person, it's an imaginary person. Okay? It's a person who's never existed under the definitions that they provide. Uh, for instance, Jesus is not my fleshly brother, okay? He's not your fleshly brother either. 
he was not conceived in the same way we are. He's, he wasn't a spirit child. Uh, he didn't rise up the ranks to become like God. The Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus who died on the cross, is the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful creator. By him, all things exist and consist. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want the truth about life and eternity, you have to start with the right Jesus. Everybody on the same page so far? Okay, so this is crucial. Now, the first passage we're going to spring to is over in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And John, who was an eyewitness of the ministry of Jesus, who saw him on the cross who took Jesus' mother into his own home for many years after the, the cross and the, and the resurrection, uh, John wrote about Jesus. And if you look at this, it's so interesting. Yeah, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 18. He said, little children, it is the last time. Now, this, this always cracks me up because this is written in about 90 A.D., okay, this is written about 60 years after the resurrection. And John says, listen, it's rough out there. It's the last time. Uh, how many understand that every single generation since the time of Christ has said, boy, it's the last days. Now, it's the last days. Perilous times are here. I mean, it's rough. Could it get any worse, right? And in 2020, uh, people who aren't even Christians are saying things like, it's the last times. So this is the apocalypse. This is the, the revelation story. And you hear this, right? Yeah. The, with the insurance providers, uh, when, when they look at things, uh, they sometimes say, uh, we can't insure that because it's an act of God. Have you ever seen that in insurance language? And yet, in a society that's many times high percentage of people who are godless, they're signing insurance policies because of protections against things called an act of God. And now they're saying that the major sports who are losing billions and billions and billions of dollars right now may not be reimbursed by insurance companies because there's something out there right now that's called an act of God. So anyway, John, back to John. He said, it's the last time. It's bad out there. Boy, it's the last time. And he said, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists. How many would agree with that one? Uh, whereby we know that it is the last time. If you've seen some of the videos out of southeast Portland last night, there are a lot of Antichrists. And uh, they do not like God. They don't like people. They don't like anything. He said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, I'm leading up to something here. It's going to be very important that you get this. He said, but you have an unction from the Holy One. You know all things. I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And look at this last phrase in verse 21. And if you like to underline, underline this. That no lie is of the truth. Okay? 
Now, this is doctrinally sound. No lie is of the truth, right? You can't take a lie and pour white out on it and make it true. You can't take a lie and pour enough bleach on it to make it true. A lie is a lie is a lie, okay? There's no additive that makes a lie true. And by the way, you know how much uh, of a lie you have to mix with truth to make it a lie? Any, right? I mean, if you're going to fly to New York City and you set your heading and you're going to fly to New York City and you're one degree off, you're one degree off of where you're going to land, you will miss the runway by about 160 miles, right? One degree off. So you mix any lie with the truth, you no longer have the truth. And no lies of the truth. Now look at verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Now, if Jesus is the Christ, that's saying something big because it's saying in the context of the Scripture, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the prophesied one that he would come, be born of a virgin, die on the cross, rise from the tomb. Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Now, just a quick question to consider. Who would it be that would want the true Jesus to be redefined or misdefined? Right? Just think about that for a second. Who would want Jesus, the name Jesus, uh, when you say it, to point to the wrong thing? Right? Have you ever done, uh, seen this where a website will set something up or there's this electronic gadget and you point to one thing and it clicks the other thing? Right? I had a, a Crocs mishap several weeks ago. And uh, I know this is hard because... Uh, some of you know I am a Crocs aficionado. I, I basically, that's all I wear is Crocs shoes for, for my feet. And I, or I was uh, going through Facebook, and I ordered uh, some Crocs because I saw, man, that's a good deal. There's, you can't pass up this deal. Yeah, there are four pairs of the rugged outdoor Crocs, the all-terrain ones that I like, and uh, they're different than all other Crocs, okay? They're not the same. And, and I, so I picked four colors that I really thought, you know, I like this. There's, there's a dark mustard yellow. And I thought that would be, that would be nice just for certain things. And, and then there was a, uh, a camo one that I don't have. Uh, and then there was a, a dark gray one that has this really neat back strap on it. And another one. So I ordered it all four. And I get to the point where you pay and I pay for the thing. And then all of a sudden I get this notice that I had paid PayPal. I'm like, well, that's weird, because when you buy Crocs, you pay Crocs. So I, I didn't think much of it. Well, several weeks later, I get, this, uh, I get this package that's wrapped like in tape, right? It's not in a Crocs box. It's, you know, it looks like it just got dropped off of a container somewhere. So I peel the thing open, and it hits you right away. There's this smell. It's like, what in the world? This doesn't seem right. And so I started pulling them out, and uh, 
I pulled out one pair, like, I didn't order that color. And that's not the right style. That's a different thing. I pulled out the next one. I didn't order that one either. Guess how many of the four in there I ordered? None. Right? They were all the wrong color or the wrong style. None of them were right. So I typed this email out to the place where I get it from. I'm like, hey, I don't know what happened. There's some kind of mix-up. I got all four wrong colors and all four wrong styles. So <laughs> the email I got back is, it is a classic. It is classic. It says, uh, it says you, uh, you received your order and you took a picture of, of the order uh, and all the things that arrived, they look good quality. And because they look good quality, even if they are wrong color, you should keep them. Because if you send them back to us, it will cost you lots of money. We don't want you to have to pay lots of money, so keep the ones we sent you. And if you don't like them, give them gifts to someone else. So I write back like, listen, I ordered the ones I ordered because that's what I wanted. I didn't order the wrong thing. I'm not trying to give gifts to anybody. But nobody else likes Crocs except me, so, so why would I give them as gifts? And, and so I type this email back. Then I get another email. It says, uh, it'd be smart for you to keep the ones you have. Because if you send them back us, it will take many weeks, and it will cost $62.50 shipping. You don't want that. And it like, tells me this email why I should keep the ones. Plus, if you keep them, we will give you $12 U.S. Like, oh, wow. So anyway, I had to go with American Express and get it all fixed up. But, but listen, uh, things that are different are not the same, right? And, and what happens a lot of times in religion, and Satan is a master deceiver, he takes a word that has a solid, true meaning, and he subverts it. He makes it a different meaning. Now, we've seen this happen in society with bedrock cornerstone words, not even related to religion. But when we're talking about Jesus, there's only one Jesus, right? Anything else, that's a different Jesus. It could be a real Jesus who lived but wasn't the true Jesus. It could be an imaginary, illusionary, whatever you want to say, but Jesus or another Jesus. Now, let's talk about the Spirit or another Spirit. The Spirit or another Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God's Word is co-equal with the Father. He's co-equal with the Son. He's also distinct from them in personality. The Spirit of God is, is personal. He's not a force. He's not impersonal. He is a personal, supreme being. He acts, he thinks, he feels, uh, he permanently indwells believers. But here's what you find in extra-biblical belief systems, okay? The Holy Spirit is not the divine spirit of the Godhead when you get into extra-biblical religions. Now, while you're in 1 John, look at chapter 4, okay? So you're already there in 1 John chapter 4. Oh, look at verse number 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, 
because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. All right, so the definition of the spirit is tied to the definition of the Son. Did you catch that? Right? The definition of the Spirit of God is tied to who Jesus is. Everything at the cornerstone is attached because there's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so the Spirit of the Godhead is the real Spirit. <clears throat> now, there have been uh, many other spirits, and, and I don't want to say that spirits are imaginary or illusionary because there are many false spirits that are available, right? Now, there's only one real Jesus, and there's only, uh, <laughs> you could really only conceive that there's one definition for Jesus. But when it comes to the spirit world, uh, how many ever, did you ever read Frank Peretti's book back in the day? And uh, some of his books, you're like, wow, he talks about this spiritual warfare and it got pretty intense. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and let's just follow up on this part uh, about another spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> I remember back in the 80s, there was a, a well-known Christian preacher who says that he was called by the Spirit one night uh, as he was in a hotel room, and uh, the Spirit asked Jesus to come in his hotel room, sit on the bed with him, and eat pizza. And he tells this story on television on a religious show, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of weird, right? That doesn't make any sense. That's not the God. That's not the Jesus. Not, it's not how the Spirit works. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So it's very profound what is written for us here. You know, in Old Testament times, uh, the great King Solomon had just died. And his son, Rehoboam, uh, was immediately faced with a leadership test that he failed miserably. Uh, he he went, called in two different groups. First, he called in the old guys who were friends, counselors of his father. And he said, hey, what do you guys think I should do next? And they said, listen, if you'll be a servant to these people, they will be loyal to you. They'll love you. They'll follow you. But don't burden them. Take the burden off, right? Don't oppress them. Don't tax them so heavily. Be nice to people. And uh, so he said, okay, I'll get back with you. Then he gets with the young guys, his own compadres, the people he went to school with. And he says, okay, guys, what do you think I should do? And they said, you know what? Your dad was a rough guy. You should be even rougher, right? You should come down on people harder than anybody ever has. You should really go after him. And so he kind of 
takes the advice of the young guys, lets the old guys' advice fall to the wayside, and he becomes this dictatorial king, and 86% of the entire kingdom abandoned him. Right? I mean, they all left. And he was left only with the tribe of his father. And that's it, his grandfather. And, and so up in the north, there was a king named Jeroboam who took over these other tribes. And Jeroboam, and you can remember him in the Bible because his name is the son of Nebat, which I always think is a crazy word. So Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, uh, he has this ingenious idea. He says, listen, we got all these people in the north. We want to be loyal to us. And uh, there's a problem. The temple where they worship God is in Jerusalem. That's down in Rehoboam's territory. And we don't want people to go there for feasts and to worship God and to sacrifice. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to build our own places of worship in the north. And in those places of worship, we're going to invent our own God. And so he put these golden calves in the temples. And he said, listen, we're going to have our own priests. We're going to have our own feasts. We're going to have our own sacrifices. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be the same. It's just going to be different. Right? So how many understand that everything he made in the north was patterned on the real truth, but it was counterfeit. It was artificial. It wasn't real. Satan's goal with every religious system is to take what's real and subvert it and make it artificial and counterfeit. And, and so we see this with Jesus. We see this with the Spirit. Now let's talk about the gospel or another gospel. The gospel or another gospel. If you flip back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you're ever looking for the gospel defined in the Scripture, this is as clear as it gets, right? So 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, let's see how it starts. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Well, it seems pretty efficient, right? I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you received, wherein you stand, by the which also you're saved. So the gospel is what saves you. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. Okay, so here's the gospel. Verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So there's the definition of the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those who believe and confess this good news receive salvation by grace through faith, assuring them eternal life. Okay, so there's only one gospel. And uh, there are a lot of people who use, there are a lot of groups who use the term gospel, but it's not under that definition. Okay, so <clears throat> some groups say, well, Jesus came uh, to initiate the gospel, but then you got to do this part too, right? So you add to the gospel or you take away from the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. Do you understand this? Uh, how many of you like, anybody like German chocolate? You like German chocolate? 
All right, so, so my favorite cake probably is German chocolate. And, and I've had uh, some dear ladies that made me German chocolate cakes and cupcakes over the years based on that knowledge. But if you're making German chocolate, and, and you make a good German chocolate cake, but you leave out some of the important parts, right? You leave out like the coconut, that's an important part. Uh, you leave out the chocolate, right? And you, so you walk into somebody you're like, hey, I got your favorite German chocolate cake, and the cake is white, right? You're looking at it, you're like, nah, yeah, that's not what it is. And you take a bite, and you don't taste any of that coconut, and you don't taste any of the stuff that makes German chocolate chocolate. You're like, hey, it may be something you came up with, but it ain't German chocolate, right? Now, that's kind of like the gospel. It may be something that they came up with called gospel, but the gospel includes three ingredients and only three ingredients. Death, burial, resurrection, period. That's it. End of the ballgame. And if you add ingredients to it or you take an ingredient out of it, you no longer have the gospel. Uh, Peter said it this way when he was preaching in Acts 4. He said, neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved, Jesus. So Jesus, Spirit, gospel, they're all attached. That's why Paul brought them up. He said, listen, if you get tricked into thinking there's another Jesus or another Spirit or another gospel, you might even follow along with those deceivers. Uh, if you go a little bit forward in your Bible to Galatians chapter 1, uh, I want you to notice what Paul writes to this church in Galatia in verse number 6. He says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you in the grace of God unto another gospel. So there it is. All right, now look at verse 7. He says, which is not another. They're calling it another gospel, but it's not another gospel. There's only one. There may be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Now, just for your information, that word in Greek uh, is not a nice word, okay? When Paul says that to let someone be accursed, and you can look this up in Greek, and it's not a nice word. It is the harshest word anywhere found in the Bible. Uh, when Paul says, if somebody preaches another gospel, let him be accursed, uh, it's some of those words that your, your grandpa used to yell at you in the native language of the old country, and you didn't know what they were, and then you said it in the house at the dinner table, and your mom looked at you like, what in the world did you just say? That's the accursed stuff, okay? Uh, now, let's talk about uh, this fourth one, these scriptures or another scripture. These scriptures or another scripture, <clears throat> because the Bible is the unique, revealed, inspired, and preserved Word of God. 
It is the sole authority for faith and practice. It is entrusted to those bought with the blood of Christ. It has been guided and guarded by God. And uh, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, we'll start there in verse number 18 as we finish our sermon this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So Peter says, hey, we're on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we saw Jesus, and there's an angel talking. But then he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, that's, once again, incredibly strong language from the Apostle Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, where he says, listen, if somebody brings unto you something that they're calling Scripture, and they try to tell you it's from God and it's not, uh, there's some big-time uh, curse, uh, curses from God's Word. They're going to be attached with that. Uh, there's some big-time uh, damnation that's coming from that. And they're making merchandise of you. They're treating you like merchandise. Uh, I don't think that anybody wants to be treated like merchandise. And yet, there are billions of people today on planet Earth who are treated like merchandise by Satan himself and his deceitful workers because they've been sold a bill of goods on another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel, and another scripture. Look, you could have an amazing dream tonight that is imaginative, it's detailed. Uh, you could write it all down tomorrow, and you could say, you know what, my dream was inspired by God, and therefore it's now Scripture. Uh, but, but even though you name it Scripture, that doesn't make it Scripture, right? You, you can call it Scripture, but that doesn't make it Scripture. Uh, you can go to Paris, Texas, but it's not the same thing as Paris, France, have you guys ever been to Paris, Texas? Anybody ever been there? I was there for a high school football game once. It is not Paris, France. Okay, I'll just tell you that. Uh, London, Ontario, Canada is not the same thing as London, England. Uh, I assure you that Amsterdam, Montana is not the same place as Amsterdam, Holland. And you can go to the store and buy some Dove, but you better make sure it's the chocolates and not the soap before you eat it. Uh, you, you could buy Delta online, but you may want to look at the price tag uh, to make sure you're buying a faucet, not an airplane. 
When, when my wife was in her teenage years, she attended a revival meeting with her parents. I always loved this story. And uh, at the end of the revival, they always have an altar call where you come down to the front and you make commitments before God and you pray. And many times there's weeping and it's a, it's a great thing. But uh, she uh, had noticed her dad slipped down the aisle and she's like 15. And so she's going to go down. And she thought, you know, I should go pray too. Go pray with your dad. So she comes down to the front and there's these people all over the place. And she kneels by her dad and uh, she puts her hand on her dad's back, and, and they pray, and she rubs his back a little. And uh, then uh, she gets to noticing something strange. She's like, you know what? My dad's pants are different than when he went down here. And his jacket is different than when he went down here. This is not my dad! Right? He has the same shoes, but it's a different dad. And so uh, while the prayer was still going, she gently got up and got as far away as she could before the person figured out uh, that that's not really my daughter. Yeah, maybe didn't even have a daughter. Who knows? Same shoes, different dad. Uh, and uh, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 22 as we read this last verse before we go. Revelation chapter 22, and notice what God has told us here. The Spirit, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So God says, hey, if you got the real Jesus and the real Spirit and the real gospel and the real scriptures, you can come to me because I'm inviting you to come, and whosoever will may come. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. And I don't know if we could go into much of the meaning of all of that, but it sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it? If you add to or take away from the story that Jesus has given, the story that God wants all of humanity to have, if you tweak with God's story, God says it's not going to end well for you. Now, here's the thing. People who have grown up under religious confusion... 99% of the time have no idea they're confused. That's how they grew up. They've been hearing these terms their whole lives. How could the term mean anything different from how it's been presented to them? And they think they're, they're headed to 3610 Eustick Road, but when they arrive, they find out that they're not even in the right city, like the truck driver from last week. They have the same words, but with different meanings. And uh, I'm here to tell you that the counterfeit Jesus didn't die on the cross for you. Uh, the counterfeit Jesus didn't rise from the tomb to give you salvation. The counterfeit Jesus is an illusion. There are a lot of spirits, but there's only one Holy Spirit, the very God of the Trinity. And, and the term gospel is thrown around by a lot of belief systems 
But unless it's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing, it's not the real gospel. Same concept for the scriptures. And, and so it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking, that, hey, my neighbor said the word Jesus, so that must mean he's a Christian. Uh, or my friend talked about the Spirit, or, or my coworker mentioned the gospel. Uh, so I'm going to leave you with this concept today, and then we'll close in prayer. Things that are different are not the same. All right, you get, catch that? It seems pretty simple. Things that are different are not the same. Scriptural definitions matter. And when you are boldly, courageously talking to people about Jesus, make sure that you're both referring to the same Jesus and the same gospel. Things that are different are not the same. And God loves the religious confused. Jesus died for the religious confused. But only the Jesus who died for them can save them. The imaginary Jesus can save no one. The imaginary gospel sends people to an eternal hell. And, and so let's ask God to give us compassion for the religious confused this week. Let me pray with you. Our Father in heaven, we know that there are millions and millions of people today who have the terms that we talked about, but not with true meanings. And God, we're, we're not trying to be uh, exclusive in our definitions because it makes us right. We're trying to be exclusive in our definitions because if it's not true, it's a lie. And it leads people to eternal death. And so I pray that you would help us to know the truth and to share the truth because only the truth can set us free from sin. Give us compassion for the religious confused in our community this week. And guide us from this place. We ask it in Jesus' name.